Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, brought to you by the American Beverage Association. Today is Thursday, November 12th. The Dow is down, U.S. COVID hospitalizations are way up, and we're focused on Parler, America's fastest-growing social app. If you go into the Apple or Google Play app stores right now, the most downloaded app isn't TikTok or Snapchat or Zoom. It's Parler, a two-year-old social network that's largely become the refuge of Trump supporters who believe legacy social networks like Facebook and Twitter have become too restrictive. Unlike those apps, Parler doesn't care if users share misinformation, whether that be about the election or most anything else. The basic philosophy, as once explained by Parler's CEO, is that if you can say it on a New York City street, you can say it on Parler. A few things to know. First, Parler is a lot different than shouting on a New York City street because it can have exponentially more reach. Two, Parler does restrict some content, including some allowed on Twitter, like pornography. Three, Parler's basically an echo chamber right now, and its biggest challenge might be in convincing users to stick around on a social platform where they don't have an opportunity to argue with liberals. The bottom line, Parler has found product market fit, particularly as President Trump continues to act like he didn't lose the election. Its future, though, also remains a little bit like Trump's, up in the air. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Amy Peikoff, an attorney and Parler's chief policy officer. But first, this. We're joined now by Amy Peikoff, Parler's chief policy officer. So Amy, let's just start here with adoption. Reports say that you guys have kind of doubled the network size to around 8 million users. Is that accurate or is there an even larger number? I think it's even larger by now. If the rate of growth is continued, it's probably over 9 million by now. Your largest audiences seem to be in the U.S. and Brazil. Do you have a sense on kind of how that breaks down? I don't know exactly right now. I haven't looked at geographics. I'm assuming that currently we have more people coming on from United States. But I think, of course, there are a lot of friends around the world that are joining as well. I wonder, on a content moderation side, how do you handle the language piece? And I particularly think in Brazil, there's not that many people in the U.S. who speak Portuguese. We do have translation embedded into the app. And so if there's a particular piece of content that is reported to our community jury, our jurors have at their disposal the ability to translate that before looking at it to see if it's a violation of the terms of service. When you say community jury, can you explain that to listeners? Because I think that's probably a term most people not on Parler haven't heard before. Right. So what we do at Parler, if we are trying to determine whether content violates our terms of service and therefore requires action from us, is we have people submit reports and the reports go through a panel in our app and they are then given to our community jury. We have a quorum system under which four out of five jurors are required to deem a piece of content guilty, and therefore it gets points, and then after a certain number of points, they get banned. So we really do try to emulate the justice system in the United States, not only in substance in terms of the First Amendment protecting speech broadly, but also in process by giving everybody due process. Can I ask about that? How long from beginning to end does that process take? I think sometimes it can happen very, very quickly if you have a lot of jurors who happen to be on the panel at that time. But at other times of the day where there's a lot of reports coming in and it's slow, it could be slower. And right now, I imagine, just like everything else, it's a little bit backed up. Can I ask about that, though? The longer it stays up, isn't that a possible problem with the jury system? As opposed to, say, putting something into quarantine for a little while? 
Right, right. So things that aren't urgent, that don't involve, for example, threats, terrorism on our panel, child pornography, those sorts of things, they can wait and wait out the process more. But we have the ability for a single juror to flag a piece of content as something that should be taken down right away, and then it escalates more quickly. You mentioned some of the things that can become problems in terms of content on the app. Outside of things that are you know, illegal, as you say, child pornography, terrorism, I assume drug sales, what is considered objectionable content on Parler that could get you blocked or could get your piece of content blocked? A lot of the problems that we have will have to do with impersonation, misleading impersonation of people. We will also have attempts to commit fraud. Occasionally we'll have defamation, but we don't purport to be the arbiters of truth with respect to defamation. We require people to go and actually seek remedies and then tell us that there's a piece of content that is violating a ruling from a proper tribunal on that one. But the biggest thing that we've had to deal with a lot is been a lot of spam and bot activity. And so there are all these attempts coming on right now, especially when we have more traffic to circumvent our ad network, to demonetize us and demonetize those in our influencer network as well. You mentioned uh, impersonation. Your CEO once made a comment about how, you know, if you can say it on New York City Street, you can say it on Parler. I can go on New York City Street and say, I'm Donald Trump or I'm Amy Peacock and nothing happens to me. Why can't I do that on Parler? Well, on Parler, it can tend to be misleading. Well, so let me stop you there. As, as you know, though, misleading hasn't been, and this is one of the big criticisms of Parler, writing something that's misleading or, or downright false is something that's protected on Parler. You can write something that is false if you're doing it as you, so that you are the one taking the reputation hit. So if Donald Trump himself was to actually make an account on Parler and he was to say something that wasn't true, we would allow it, of course, we wouldn't flag it, we wouldn't do anything like Twitter is doing, because we would allow people to decide for themselves and then let him take the reputation hit or not accordingly. But there are people who have come onto Parler, made accounts, used images as their profile pictures and their you know, header photos, and then also put stuff in their bio that makes it seem as if they are another person. So in effect, what they're doing is defamatory to another person because they are pretending to be that person and saying potentially all sorts of things that would damage their reputation, trying to sell their products, whatever. But you guys, for example, allow a bunch of QAnon kind of conspiracy theorists to defame, essentially, certain politicians, particularly on the Democratic side. So it's okay to defame someone if you're doing it by your own name, but it's not okay to defame someone by pretending to be them? That seems to be a real narrow distinction. So if a judge in an appropriate tribunal actually says something is defamatory, of course, we will take it down. But if, as you know, the legal bar for proving defamation of a public figure is a rather high bar, and we are not going to be the ones to purport to pretend to be a qualified judge that would say, yes, this is defamatory. No, this is not. If something is reported and it's actually been shown to be defamation, we will take it down. We will give points. We will ban. We will do whatever. But in terms of conspiracy theories and these people expressing their opinions about how horrible XYZ politician is, that is on their reputation. It's not about how horrible they are. It's alleging they've done things which there's no evidence they've done. That's a terrible thing to put out things with no evidence. That is not good. That's the arbitrary. You're going out there expecting people to believe something while providing no evidence. I think that's a bad thing. But I'm not going to prevent people from doing it. Let them stand and fall. Let's let the market of ideas decide. There's no way for a typical user on Parler, outside of going and doing their own research, to know whether it's true or not. And Parler, by being a social network, 
amplifies those messages? Well, we don't amplify. So we don't have the algorithms that the other people do. The algorithms that Facebook and Twitter have. I don't mean artificially amplify. I mean amplify in the sense of if I'm on a New York City street and even if I scream as loud as I possibly can, maybe 50 people, 100 people can hear me. If I'm on Parler and scream as loud as I can, so long as I've gained some users, lots of more people hear me. So the key term is so long as you've gained followers. So we are not going to give you followers. You have to earn them for yourselves. And presumably you're going to earn them because you have gained a reputation for providing valuable information or analysis. And your reputation is going to stand and fall with what you provide. We cannot do thinking or research for other people. We think that people need to be doing this for themselves. I know when Parler was originally founded, it didn't have a particularly partisan bent, but at this point clearly does in terms of its users, but beyond its users. But Parler is different from its users, right? No, no. So I appreciate that. So this is my question. So I signed up for Parler the other night and after going through a few questions and kind of preferences, it gave me a list of suggested users. Every single one of the top 10 was either a Republican politician or right-wing radio or television host. That's Parler itself doing that. Okay, so there is an algorithm that has to do with which ones are the most popular in the community right now. And of course, it happens to be because there's this huge migration of people who have come over who are these popular figures from the conservative community. Those are the ones that you're going to see featured in, a, in something like that. But we are working to change features. And moreover, we've got some features in the pipeline that are going to allow you to find other people who share common interests or viewpoints more easily and exchange ideas and, and information with them. Are you worried longer term, not right now, but longer term, that Parler could become or is becoming a bit of an echo chamber, not just in terms of information and misinformation, but also in terms of user experience? I'm not seeing it as an echo chamber. There are a number of posts that are getting a whole bunch of liberals coming on and criticizing Trump supporters, sometimes in not very nice ways right now. But because we now have this reputation, you know, again, it's people who are coming, it's not us, but it's what we have this reputation for, for being a platform only for conservatives. Then we've got a whole bunch of liberals who are coming on because they want to criticize them and argue with them and make fun of them or do whatever that they're doing. And so I think that it's going to be a, just a matter of time before other people come over. And, you know, next year, what we're going to start emphasizing is our focus not only on free speech, but on privacy. And I suspect that our attitude towards privacy is going to be attractive to a lot of liberals, especially as privacy has come under attack from conservatives. What do you mean by privacy? What would the practical change be? Well, the practical change right now is that we collect very little data. We do not mine the data. We do not sell the data. We do not target or put any algorithms together based on data. Users are not the commodity. People who come to Parler and open accounts are not the commodity. And that's not how we do our monetization model. We will not sell your data. We collect very little data. We keep the minimum possible to provide service. Amy Peikoff, Chief Policy Officer at Parler, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is TikTok, which is again on the verge of being banned by the Trump administration. At issue now is a November 12th deadline, that's today, from the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S., or CFIUS, for TikTok's Chinese parent company to unwind a 2018 merger that helped create TikTok in the first place. Now, this all could be avoided if CFIUS would just sign off on that deal TikTok struck with its investors and Oracle and Walmart, but that hasn't happened yet. 
It could also be avoided if Cepheus issued a 30-day extension, but that hasn't happened either. TikTok late Tuesday sued for the extension, but if unsuccessful, this whole mess goes into the Department of Justice's hands. We are also looking ahead to next week when we're expected to see a slew of IPO filings from recognizable names like Airbnb, DoorDash, and Roblox. Now, these sorts of companies would typically try to dominate the news by spacing out their big reveals, each getting to suck up their own oxygen, but at this point, they're kind of hemmed in by the calendar. On the front end was the election, which created some market uncertainties. On the back end are Thanksgiving and Christmas, with companies wanting to price between the two holidays. And to do that, they've got to file next week because of securities timing rules. And finally today, we are watching poultry maker Purdue, which unveiled a line of turkey nuggets that includes the flavors of stuffing and cranberry sauce, understanding that many Thanksgiving dinners will be smaller scale than usual this year due to COVID. On the one hand, that's super depressing. On the other, it sounds kind of delicious. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national French dip day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.